May we bow together in a moment of prayer, please. Our Father in heaven, we pray that the Spirit of the Lord Jesus will move across this congregation now. And may we be so entwined with the message of the grace of God that these next few moments will be committed to making clear what makes a mother a reminder of Jesus. We pray that everyone within the sphere and sound of our voice today will sense the impact of God's presence. And may the Holy Spirit do His work of conviction and those who have never been saved come to Jesus and the saved get excited about serving Thee. In Jesus' name, amen. In John, the 19th chapter, beginning with verse 25, I would like to call our attention to some very important words from the cross. John chapter 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then said he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour that disciple took her unto his own home. We recognize immediately that this scene is one of those treasured scenes at the cross. At nine o'clock in the morning, the Lord was placed on that cross. At noon, the sun refused to shine and the earth trembled. At three o'clock, our Lord sent his spirit away, thus dying for the sins of a world for you, for me. And during those six hours, some very important and precious words were said from the cross. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? It is finished. I thirst. But among those words at the cross, none has greater ethical teaching than when Jesus said in the 26th verse to his mother, woman, behold thy son. And in verse 27, verse 26, He said to the son, Behold thy mother. From memory's portals today come precious scenes of my own dear mother. 
Words are inadequate to express my love and esteem for that saint of God, a woman who was filled with all the graces of Christian womanhood, one who reflected the majesty of a Mary, the mother of Jesus, one who so lived in the presence of her Savior that her tone of voice and manner of speech and modesty and dress and humility of spirit and attitude betrayed her oft-time communion with the Lord. It was the compassion of her heart for her family and all the others that taught her children to share that love and concern for the feelings of others. It was her tenderness in times of despondency, failure, and disappointment that inspired not a defeatist attitude, but rather instilled the truth of God's Word. In all these things we are more than conquerors. No wonder it was she who had descended into the valley of the shadow to give me the breath of life and in an hour when my light was life and was flickering about to go out she literally gave me to the Lord in his service no wonder it was she my mother who first taught me to love and trust heaven's love gift to the world Christ Jesus the author of life abundant and eternal a mother's love is something that no one can explain it is made of deep devotion and of sacrifice and pain. It is endless and unselfish and enduring come what may, for nothing can destroy it or take that love away. It is patient and forgiving when all others are forsaking, and it never fails or falters even though the heart is breaking. It believes beyond the believing when the world around condemns, and it glows with all the beauty of the rarest, brightest gems. It is far beyond defining it defies all explanations, and it still remains a secret like the mysteries of creation, a many-splendored miracle man cannot understand, and another wondrous evidence of God's tender guiding hand. That's mother. And Jesus said, Woman, behold thy son. And wrapped up in those words of our Lord to his earthly mother, was all the tenderness of the heart of God. Sometimes during the ministry of Jesus, people would come and say, your mother and your brother and your sisters are outside and they're calling for you. At one time, there's an indication in Scripture that the mother and the brother and the sisters of Jesus thought he was out of his mind and they wanted to come and take him away. And Jesus said more than once, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour has not yet come. Or who is my mother or my brother and my sisters? Are they not those who follow and do the will of God? But on the cross, when our Lord was dying for the sins of a whole world, all the tenderness of God was wrapped up in his soul as he beheld the sword in the heart of his mother who is it that follows us in the hour of most difficult time and testing if it's not our mother who is it that sits up all night and watches and waits when a little life is about to ebb away if it's not a mother and our mother our own mothers have exemplified that spirit of grace and compassion. And so did the mother of Jesus. 
as she stood there at the cross that day, seeing her own son die, and she didn't understand it. And her heart was breaking. Perhaps she wondered, who will take care of me now? And in all the compassion of his heart, our Lord, in one of the last moments before the utter redemption of mankind for his, through his death at the cross, Jesus said, woman, behold thy son. Indicating, Mary, no longer are you and I related as mother and son. I commit you to the care of the one who loves me the most, John. As we think of that, we can't help but be reminded of the influence of a mother. There's nobody on earth that has more influence on a man or a woman than his mother. Now, you may not always agree with what mother says or what mother feels or what mother thinks or what mother does, but you cannot get away from the influence of that mother. There's no way you can. All the rest of the days of your life, much of your life will be patterned by what your mother did. If your mother was a woman of godliness and care and love and concern, and from your early childhood she nurtured you in her arms and sang songs of Jesus to your heart when you didn't even understand the words, and she blew, as it were, the breath of spiritual sunshine into your ears and heart as you helplessly laid in your mother's lap. My friend, some of that remains in you today, and you can't get away from it. Train up a child in the way he shall go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Part of what that means is when proper principles are instilled in the life of a little child, and those principles are made part of life itself. There's no way that child can avoid having those principles stamped indelibly upon his mind and heart because that is the way God made us. If you had a mother that blew smoke in your little face and blew the breath of beer and whiskey and drugs into your face, if you had a mother that went out and danced the whole night away, if you had a mother that swapped husbands and couldn't decide whether she loved you or loved your father or loved some other man and was constantly, constantly, continuously living a life of low compassion and beloved, some of that is in you. And it has left its imprint. And you see, this is the reason, mothers, I would call you today to godly living, to a life of purity, to a life of holiness, to a life that honors the Lord Jesus Christ, because you are making eternal impressions upon the little child who looks to you as a mother. How wonderful that our Lord could have just precious memories of his little childhood as Mother Mary, a woman whom God could trust with his secrets, committed to her the tender training time of the Savior of the world. Woman, behold thy son. 
And then Jesus said, Son, behold thy mother. And wrapped up in those words were all the responsibility that goes with being a mother's son or daughter. John, it was indicated in the next verse, understood that to mean that he was to take care of her, that he was to honor her, that he was to revere her, he was to respect her, he was to love her. And I believe as part of that commission Jesus gave John, there's all wrapped up in it a commission to John, just as my mother is pure, I want you to be pure. And all the purity and all the holiness and all the godliness that you have seen exemplified in this human being who is my mother. John, you watch her and honor her and care for her and learn from her. And remember that Mary was not an old woman when Jesus gave this commission. Jesus himself was only 33. And all tradition tells us that Mary was a young teenage girl when the Lord was born. You put it together and find out what age Mary was at the cross. The Lord was saying, John, my mother has taken care of me. I want you to take care of her. And I want you to learn from her some of the things that she taught me when I was young. Now I know we're humanizing the Lord at the cross and I know as well as all of us that Jesus was deity, that he was God incarnate in human flesh. But somehow it pleased our Lord to go all the way in condescension to be born in this world as a little baby. He grew up as a little baby. And I do not believe those things that talk about his miracles as a little baby. I think he had all the limitations that a little child has. And when he was a young child, he had those limitations. And when he was a teenager, he went through all the problems and perplexities that we've gone through, and yet without sin. And somehow God gave him a steadying guide in a mother that stood by during those years. I believe the Lord would say to men today, not only honor your mothers, but honor your wives. Honor ladies. Teenagers, I believe God's Word teaches that young men, as well as older men, are to, teach every, to treat every lady as if she were something holy. Treat every lady as you would want somebody to treat your sister or your mother. And never take advantage even though advantage is offered to you. God has given us mothers to remind us of responsibility, to remind us of purity, to remind us of holiness, to remind us of godliness, and to remind us of love. And when our lives are mixed with these qualities, I believe there's a blessing, an untold blessing that only God can give.
in the Christian home, there are some responsibilities that a husband and wife have toward each other. A husband's responsibility to make his wife honored before the children. To have a position that is on a pedestal so that young children and teenage children and old children can look up and honor their mother. And mothers don't ever step down from that pedestal. The severe problem with the RA movement is that ladies want to step off of that pedestal. I was in Frankfurt some time ago and I was having lunch at a certain official function in our state legislature. And uh, I was sitting next to a lady and I tried to fix the chair for her and she very curtly said to me, you don't have to do that. She said, I can fix my own chair. She said, I'm not any weaker than you are. And immediately I knew what block she belonged to. Women, don't step off, don't step off your pedestal. Let a, woman, let a man fix the chair for you. Let him open the car door for you. Let him honor you. Let him teach the children to honor you and respect you. And above everything, women, keep your position deserving of honor. If your children see you running around, if they see you living a life that is given to the flesh, how can they respect you? God, give us Christian homes. God, give us godly women who will accept willingly their position as a place of respect and honor. And to children and young people, don't ever be ashamed of your mother or daddy. Honor them. You may not always agree with them. They may even do things you don't respect, but we're still under obligation to honor our mothers and fathers. Honor them. You say, how can I honor somebody who isn't really honorable? I don't know. God says that we're to honor them. And of course, the implication is that moms and dads are to occupy a position of honor so that they will deserve that honor. But whether or not in your thinking they deserve the honor, God says, honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. And I take that verse not to mean that you'll live to be 85 or 95 or 110. I think it's a national promise. And it's saying to a people, if you will honor your father and your mother, then God will bless you nationally. But when you dishonor mother and dad, the cursings and blessed cursings of God are upon you. And perhaps one of the great problems America faces today is that we no longer honor father and mother. Now listen to this. You won't like it and I don't like it either. But if China ever becomes the great nation and if she should ever join with Russia, and the communist bloc in blotting out America, part of the reason might be traced to the fact that in the Orient they honor their mother and father. And in America we don't. Russia tried using women in the front battle lines and they discarded that. 
And here little silly America comes along and says, well, we're going to draft women because the ERA says we better do it. And there's nothing wrong with putting them out on the front line. They're just like men. Just put them out there. And brother and sister, when those days come, you can look for the cursing of God upon America because God never intended it that way. You search the scriptures and you don't find it. Women occupy a place of honor. Now another thing, and I'll be through. Women are the standard bearers. A man the head of the home? Yes, sir. That's what the scripture says. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, wives submit yourself unto your own husband for, as unto the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and gave himself for it. But I tell you, the standard bearers are the women. The way the women's morals go, so goes the morals of America. In your home, if a woman and the mother of that home dishonors herself by habits that are displeasing to God, you have stepped off of your pedestal. And it's no wonder if your children do not respect you. When a mo woman's morals sag, a man's morals fag. And ladies, you may not like what I say to you. And I say with all the tenderness and love of my heart, and I believe it's teaching from the Word of God, you are the upholders of the standards. And if there are no longer any standards in the world, it's because the women have lost touch with God's standard. Women, don't do that. And if you've found yourself doing it, get alone in a closet of prayer and ask God to cleanse you from that and forgive you for that and give your life back to being a standard bearer. Jesus gave his life a ransom for the sins of the world. While he was dying for the sins of the world, he looked into the face of God the Father. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And in that sweeping prayer, all of us were included. Jesus prayed for us at the cross. And then he bled for us at the cross. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses from all sin. And that blood has never lost its efficacy or power. And if we have found incongruities in our life, if we have found shame in our life, if we have found in our lives that we have missed God's standard, thank God we found it. Thank God we've discovered it. And we can take that to Jesus and ask Jesus to cleanse us from all sin. And the Bible promises the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us. And that cleansing efficacy is just as available to you today and to me as it was 2,000 years ago. Let's never be ashamed of Jesus. I believe that in the passage we read this morning, there's a relationship between the love that a mother has in bringing a child into the world and the love Jesus had in going to the cross for our sins. And I believe if we find it difficult to honor our mothers, we will find it difficult to honor our Heavenly Father. If we find it difficult to honor our fathers and mothers, how can we honor the Savior who died for us on the cross? And I want to encourage us today to not be ashamed 
of that thing that is really important in our life. I heard the story, and you've probably heard it too, about a, a widow lady who had a son that she loved very, very much. The husband had deserted them earlier in life, and the boy was a little child. And the mother took in washing, and she did housework, and did all the kinds of things that could be done to try to keep her family together. She worked long hours, and to buy clothes for her son to go to school. and She had just one dress. She tried to wash it every day. Of course, it got faded and faded and faded and faded. The son graduated from high school with honors. He went to college. His mother said, son, I'm going to work and help support you. Now, you'll have to get a job too, but I'm going to help you all I can. And so, that son went away to college. He got a job, but he didn't have enough money to take care of all of it. And the mother would wash clothes and do housework, and stay up late in the night, sacrificing to put her son through college. The day came for graduation. That son was going to graduate with honors. He loved his mother very much. He wrote her a letter and said, I want you to come and be at my graduation. And that humble mother wrote back and said, son, I can't come. Now, you'd be ashamed of your mother. I don't have any clothes to wear. The son wrote back and said, mother, I'd never be ashamed of you. I want you to come. When graduation day came, the building was filled with all the families. And sitting way in the back under the balcony was a little mother with just a calico dress. She didn't have the money to get her, have her hair fixed up. She had come just to watch her son graduate. And that son, when he came to the platform to receive the honors of that degree, turned to the president and said, Sir, I don't really deserve this degree. I don't deserve this honor. But there's a lady here this morning who deserves it. She's my mother. And I want her to stand. And that son honored his mother. The mother sitting back there, just an old calico dress. Not enough money to come to that graduation. But oh, what wealth there was in her soul as she knew there had been instilled in the heart of that son principles that when the testing time came, he had manhood and strength to not be ashamed of his mother. Beloved, if Jesus Christ has come into your life, he gave all there was of heaven in his life to purchase us from sin's bondage and sin's wages. He died that we might not die. He tasted hell that we might not go to hell. And there he is on the cross 
From the throne of his cross, the king of grief cries out to a world of unbelief. O men and women of far and nigh, is Christ nothing to you, all ye that pass by? Behold him and see, pierced through and through, and all was for you. Don't be ashamed of him who went to the cross for you. Come to him with your sins and your sorrows and your heartaches and your hurts and give him your life. And we pray, every head bowed, every eye closed. Our Father, we thank thee for the privilege of this service. We pray that just now, someone who has stood in the background and the shadows, maybe a little bit ashamed to take a stand for God, afraid of what people would say, afraid to come out and declare himself openly. Lord, we pray that thy spirit would move across the heartstrings of people and someone who has never been saved would come to Jesus. Someone else who is already a Christian would come openly and say, I, I have not taken the stand for my Lord that I should have taken, and I want to take an open stand for him who died for me. Have thy way in these next few moments. In Jesus' name, amen. May we stand, please. We're going to sing God's invitation. This is his invitation. If you're here without the Lord Jesus, you've never received him as your personal Savior, I want to encourage you today to give your heart to Christ. Come just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. Would you come to him? I do not know your condition. You may have come to this place this morning feeling that you were already saved, but maybe God has revealed to you that somehow you're not a Christian. You've never really received Jesus as your Savior. I want to encourage you to give your heart to Christ. If there's someone here today who is not positive beyond the shadow of a doubt that you'd go to heaven if you died today, you're not positive of that. I'd like to ask you to examine your heart. Find out why you're not positive. It may be you've never been saved. Or it may be you've let sin come in and block God's power and assurance. Would you get that thing fixed up today and give your life back to Christ? I wonder if there are some here today who would like to say, I want a Christian home. I want to take a stand for the Lord. I want to be true to Him. Would you step out from where you are? Come to give your life to Christ. While we sing and pray, who'd come for the King? Will you step out for Him right now?